Pastor Xavier Reese explains the true purpose for God's children on today's Simple Truths. God has not called you just to make you squirm. God has another saying, come here, Gabe, watch this one. He's working to get His purposes done in your life. And while He's getting His purposes done, He's conforming you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. See, He does everything out of love, for we are His children. We belong to Him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Reform seems to be the clarion call of today. It engulfs our politics, policies, and even the church. Well, according to Pastor Xavier, it's time to get back to the truth of God's Word, to step back and wait upon the Lord. And he adds this reminder, nothing happens apart from God's plan anyway. Let's join him for today's simple truths drawn from James chapter 5 entitled, Patience in the Believer's Life. Patience is something that, it is not anything natural that comes of us. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We endure as long as it's convenient. I can endure a little longer with those that are lovable, lovely, those who I feel responsible to. But only the Spirit of God can make us patient and persevering under any situation. Now James gives to us the test of faith through patience from verse 7 through 12. Now the illustration of patience is interesting. First is the farmer in verse 7. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rains. Notice that the farmer sows seed and he waits for the harvest. He can do nothing else. He cannot cause it to rain. He cannot overcome natural disaster. He sows seed and he trusts God. He's patient. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9 that he and Apollos were laborers and ministers of God. At times one watered, the other one planted, but God gave the increase. And so we are God's field in his vineyard and we are laborers in that vineyard. You see, we have nothing to do with the harvest. All we can do is be reapers. We can sow, we can water, but God gives the increase. So we are to be patient as to God's timing. Second illustration is the prophets in verse 10 and the first portion of 11. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As an example of suffering and patience, indeed we count them blessed who endure. The prophet spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. He doesn't enumerate any prophets here because it would take him probably another chapter. If we look at the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we have a tremendous list there. If we look to Paul's life, we see the sufferings that he encountered. We look to the Old Testament people and see the things that they went through. And yet Jesus spoke of the prophets 
In the Sermon on the Mount, again, James makes many inferences to the Sermon on the Mount here again about the prophets in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. He speaks about those who were sent always to warn Israel, and yet they stoned them. They rejected them. Under the fifth seal of Revelation 6.10, the martyrs say, How long, O Lord? He says, Just rest for a little while, for more of your brethren have to be killed before all comes to pass. And so the prophets are an illustration of patience. Many of them did not know what they were writing. Many of them did not know to who they were writing about. They tried to understand it, but they were moved, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Daniel said at the end of his book, When shall these things be, Lord? He says, It's not for you to know, Daniel. Seal up the book. For the last days. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He was accused of betraying his nation, a traitor. He was lowered down into a cistern. He was imprisoned. He was forced to leave Jerusalem and go into Egypt. Isaiah the prophet was cut in two by a saw. Daniel was accused falsely and cast into the lion's den. And so we count them blessed or happy who endure. Did not James say in chapter 1 verse 12, Happy is a man who endures temptation. For when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, it's my love for God that keeps me faithful. Drawing me closer to him all the time, knowing that he's faithful. And so not only the farmer is an illustration to us of patience, not only the prophet, but also the man Job in verse 11. He says, you have heard of the perseverance of Job. All of us have heard of Job, at least in terms of being a man who suffered beyond measure. He'd break off a piece of pottery and scratch himself. Some of his flesh would fall off. His friends were miserable comforters, physicians of no value. The first two chapters, Job had no recollection about God came to Satan and said, Have you considered my servant Job? The word consider is a military word, which means have you considered the most strategic way to defeat him? He says, Go, but don't touch him. He wiped out his family. He wiped out his living. Job maintained his integrity towards God. Lucifer came up again. He says, yea, skin for skin, all that a man has will he give for his life. He says, go and touch his body, but you cannot take his life. You see, God was in control. Satan's chain is pretty long, but it comes to an end, and God says the boundaries. Paul says that God will never allow you or myself to be tested more than I'm able, but with every testing, show me the way of escape. What a tremendous promise. And so Job says, naked I came in, and naked I'll leave. In chapter 1 of Job, let me just read you some, just mark these down. 
In Job 1.21, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Tremendous. In chapter 2, verse 10, his wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And he responds and says to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In chapter 13, verse 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. In chapter 16, verse 19, he says, surely even now my witness is in heaven and my evidence is on high. Job knew. Job knew that God was in control. One more in chapter 19. Listen to this. This ties right with James. In chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. What was the incentive for Job's perseverance? That he would see the return of Christ. Heavy. He knew it. The word perseverance in verse 11 there is not a passive word, but an active patience that is victorious in spite of opposition and circumstance, not losing faith in God. That doesn't mean that you don't hurt. That doesn't mean that there's confusion at times. That doesn't mean that there's affliction. There is affliction at times. There is tears, but weeping for the night, but joy comes in the morning, the Scriptures declare. God does not afflict His children willingly, but He does so with purpose in mind. Remember in all, none is perfect. Moses misrepresented God and he said to the people, What must I do, you rebellious children? Must I strike this rock and give you to drink? God says, Moses, step into my office. <laughs> Didn't I tell you to just speak to the rock, give him water? Just because of that, you cannot enter in. Oh, what hurt we can add because of impatience. David almost wiped out Nabal's entire household because he did not honor David, but Abigail was wise enough to meet David and to keep him from folly. Impatience. What a tremendous illustration we have here the farmer, the prophets. And the man Job. There were men and women as you and ourselves. No different. Men and women who trusted God. God is the same today as he was yesterday as ever he will be forevermore. He's no different. Now the intent of patience. First of all is to receive the precious fruit of the earth in verse 7. You see God is in the grain business he's looking for a great crop 
He's expecting a great harvest. He says the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rains. The parable of the sower and the kingdom parables of Matthew 13 speaks of a sower who went out to sow seed. Some fell by the wayside. Satan came up and plucked it up. Others fell on stony ground. It came up and then withered because it had no root. Others fell on thistles or thorns and it got choked out. But some fell on good ground and it brought forth 60, 30, 60, 100 fold. The seed is the word of God. The soil is the heart of man. And God is sowing seed in the hearts of men. And he's looking forward to a great harvest. Did not Jesus say, look, the fields are white for harvest, but the labors are few. Pray the Lord of harvest that he sent labors. We aren't all gifted in the same areas. We aren't all called to street ministry. But by God, we're all called to do something to bring people to Christ. Knowing that the Lord is at hand, that should be the greatest incentive to receive the precious fruit of the earth. This is the intent of patience. The early rains in the day of Pentecost, Peter quoted Joel, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we saw a great outpouring of the spirit of God and we saw the church grow from Jerusalem, Samaria, and on over to the other parts of the world. We saw the missionary journeys of Paul. We saw the gospel being preached to the whole world. That very same prophecy speaks of an outpouring of the latter rains. And I believe that God is yet to pour out once again His Spirit before He returns. For if you will examine the prophecy of Joel in Acts chapter 2, it is not limited to the day of Pentecost, for He continues prophesying all the way into the tribulation period. And I believe that God is still looking, and we're going to see a tremendous outpouring and he's just looking for laborers who are going to be equipped and prepared to be the vessels and instruments to reap the harvest. So the intent of patience is to receive the precious fruit of the earth. But secondly, to reveal God's purpose. Look at verse 11. It says about the perseverance of Job, and he says, And have seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. The end intended by the Lord... God has a purpose for what he puts you through. You and I do not understand it. You and I cannot see how it's going to work out. You and I cannot see why he would do it, but that's what makes him God. Have you ever seen an artist where they start drawing, just sketching, and it's just a bunch of lines and scribbles, and it's just rough drafts, and you go, what the heck is that? But if you follow step by step all this, and then he the bottom line the the end product it's beautiful well the same with the lord he's working in us and through us and he's taking all these circumstances of life and he's taking my heart and he's taking my desires and he's taking his will and he's taking circumstances and he's bringing about his purposes for paul says that we are god's workmanship his handy we're created in christ jesus unto good works which were created before the foundation of the world that we might walk in them we are his poem his message to the world 
And so we see that God had an intent for Job. What was it? Job 42, 12 says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Oh, Job certainly didn't see that at the beginning. He couldn't see daylight. He didn't know what was going to happen. And yet God's end was blessing. God has not called you just to make you squirm. God is not up there saying, come here, Gabe, watch this one. He's working to get his purposes done in your life. And while he's getting his purposes done, he's conforming you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. Look at Moses, cast into the river, taken into the house of Pharaoh, trained in the wisdom of Egypt, fleeing for his life at the age of 40, tending smelly sheep for 40 more years. You see, God had to break him and make him nothing before he could do something with him. But look at the last 40 years, from 80 to 120 the end of the Lord. But Moses couldn't see it when he was floating down the river, when he was in the court of Pharaoh, when he was tending sheep. What should we say about Hosea, who was called to marry a prostitute? Oh God, how can you be glorified through this? Why would you put me through something like this? God knows what's best for you, for me. God gives you the wisdom, the strength. For he is a compassionate and merciful God, he says. See, he does everything out of love, not out of wrath. For we are his children. We are in Christ. We belong to him. We are his bride. But not only to receive God's purposes or to reveal God's purposes, but to render oneself to God's perfect will. Look at verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, neither by heaven or by earth or, by, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. James knows that under pressure and suffering, we have a tendency to bargain with God. Oh, Lord, I swear to God, if you do this, I'll do that. On a stack of Bibles, on my mother's grave. And he says, don't swear. It just goes through the fire. <laughs> you won't burn. I don't make bargains. It doesn't speak against taking legal oaths because certainly Jesus took an oath under the high priest. Paul did also. We are called to take oath when we go to jury duty. We are not to deny that. But he's talking about taking the name of the Lord in vain. But the first question I ask you is, why is it that you have to take a oath? Is it to convince somebody because really you're a liar? And your word's not your bond? And so he says, don't bargain with me. When I put you through the fire, just hang in there. Remember... Daniel's friends, the king says, you better bow or you're going to burn. He says, king, you've got it backwards. If we bow, we'll surely burn. But if we don't bow, we'll never be able to burn. And they went down the furnace. And the only thing that was consumed by the fire was the bands that they were held captive by. 
The only thing that the fire of God will do to your life and my life is set me free from that which enslaves me, that which brings me into bondage. This is what God desires of your life and my life. Nothing less. But see, that means that I have to commit myself to him as a faithful creator. That means that I trust him with my life. In the next book, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. God has called some of us to suffering. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, underline that, commit their soul to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Oh, praise God for that scripture. He is a faithful creator. And that's why I am to abide in Christ. That when things come into my life, I don't have to worry if I am reaping to what I have sown. But I realize that nothing comes into my life apart from God's providence. And that with that situation, he gives the wisdom, the knowledge, the patience, the ability to persevere. Because he is a faithful creator. I think one of our major problems is that we get so caught up regarding this temporal vessel. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Paul says, even though our outward man perishes. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, I have to remind myself every morning I get up and I see more gray hair and I see more wrinkles and I see me getting older. That's a fact of life. One of these days I'm going to fold this tent up. And so I need to be patient with God. John and Charles Wesley were blessed with a patient mother. At one time her husband said, I marvel at your patience. You have told the children the same thing 20 times. Susanna Wesley looked fondly at the child and she said, Had I spoken the matter only 19 times, I would have lost all my labor. How short we come to victory so many times. Because we stop short of the provisions of God. Be patient. The Lord is coming. He's even at the door. And he's ready to judge the world. Pastor Xavier Reese.
winding down an important study on the virtue of patience in the life of the follower of God on today's Simple Truths. Now, just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study, titled Patience in the Believer's Life, are available on CD, as always, for only $4. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is simply Patience in the Believer's Life. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com